All right, it's good for us to, uh, to continue our, our series. This morning we're going to continue the series that we began uh, several weeks ago, a series that we are calling Teach Us to Pray. Uh, teach Us to Pray. Are we ready to go here, Kevin, with this? All right. Um, yeah, that's what we're calling this series, Teach Us to Pray. And it's really based on, uh, that title is based on a question that the disciples asked Jesus one day. Uh, they had seen him in prayer, and they'd seen how powerful his prayer life was. And, 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 and they said to him, Lord, when he got done, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to learn to pray like that. And so this summer, we've been trying to learn to pray. We've been trying to learn to figure out how it is we can experience that unity, that oneness with the Father that Jesus shows us, that Jesus lived out, that gave him the strength to be a radical disciple of Jesus Christ. And so we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus answered their question, what he primarily gave them was the Lord's Prayer. And just to give you kind of an idea of kind of the outline of it, we looked at part of this before, actually more than this before, but you know, the approach, we started with that, our Father in Heaven. We talked about what those words mean. And we said that there were six petitions in the Lord's Prayer. There are six things we ask Jesus to do, that we ask the Father to do. And, And the first three are all about the Father. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Then the next three are going to be about us. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. But we start with asking the Father and talking to the Father about the Father. And, and I think there's something significant in this. I, I don't want us to get wooden about saying this is the only way to pray. But I do think that there's something significant about these three, all right, and, and, and about how they come together and about why they're first. Because I think Jesus is teaching us something really important about prayer here. Because at the heart of what these petitions are all about are what I would call them prayers of reorientation. Because at the beginning of our prayer, we we do not say to God, give us something. We don't say give us our, we don't start with that. But I want to suggest that the first thing that Jesus is teaching us, and he gives us three petitions to do it, is not give us something, but change us, Lord reorient us, make us new, change us, and and give us new hearts. Before we ask for anything for ourselves, let us first of all remember that you're at the center. Let us first of all remember that you are most important, that you are most significant. And and, and so that's where we start. And, And again, I think this tells me something important about prayer. Because the most important thing in prayer is not bending God's will to mine, okay? It's not getting God to want what I want. The most important thing of prayer is getting me to want what God wants. it's, It's not changing God's will to mine. It's changing my will to God. And only after I've done that, after I've put God back at the center, after I've worshiped him, after I've seen who he is, then I can start to ask for things. But the most important thing that happens is that God gets back in the center. We've talked about that with each one of these. I mean, we talk about it with hallowed be your name, right? We said that means be at the center, God. Be at the center. We said, God, may you be recognized. May you be treated as sacred, as amazing, as most important. God, you got to be back at the center of my life and of everything. Be back at the center. And then last week, Daniel talked about your kingdom come. And, and in that prayer, we said, God, reclaim your creation. There are other kingdoms in this world. There are other kingdoms in my heart. God, you be the king. You reclaim, put yourself back on the throne. Get this world back into your hands once again. And then this week, the one we're going to look at, your will be done. I want to suggest perhaps that this is the most radical one. I, 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 you know, we say this prayer, and, and I don't think we always think about it, but this line, it, when I think about non-Christians, this is the line that really gets them. This is the line I think that is a stumbling block for so many people, and I hope you'll see that by the end, to dare to say your will be done. Because what we're saying when we say your will be done is we are saying let all creation do what you want, God. 
God, we don't want to do what we want. We want to do what you want. Let your will be done. And if you want to talk about a reorientation, if you want to talk about saying, God, shape my will, change my will, God, make my heart like yours, that's what we're saying here, okay? That's what we're talking about. So let's, let's think about this line together here. Your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to ask three questions this morning. The first one I want to ask is this. What are we asking for? going to spend most of our time on that, just trying to understand what are we saying when we're saying your will be done. Second question is going to be, why should we pray this prayer? Why do we need to say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And then third, I want to say, how can we pray this prayer? It is such a radical prayer. How can we say these words? Where do we find the courage and the strength to say these words? So what are we asking for? Uh, again, basically what I want to say, it's, it's let me, let us let all creation, all right, let all creation do what you want. I want to unpack this by noticing four things. I want to notice four things. And the first one is, I really want to think with you and, and try to push you on trying to understand how radical this is. Just how amazing this is. Because I think what we're really saying, and we have to recognize this, the first thing we're saying, if I dare pray the words, your will be done, what I'm really saying is, God, don't do my will. What we are saying together is, God, don't do our will. Don't do what I want, God. Don't give me what I want. Don't give me what I would ask for if I was all on my own. God, I don't want that. And, and that's a, a step of self-denial that a lot of people just will not take. It, it, it is, uh, that's why I say this is so radical to say, God, don't give me what I want. Don't give me what I think is best because I don't know what's best and, and, and I'm going to ask you to give me what you want. I'm going to ask me to, you to make me want what you want, but don't give me what I want. And that is so deeply radical, okay? Because we are taught, and, and it's part of our nature, we are taught to embrace who we are in our desires. In our culture, the one thing you can't do is tell somebody what to do. In our culture, the watchwords are, I am what I am, and nobody can tell me any different. I get to be who I want. I get to do what I want. You can't tell me what to do. And yet Jesus comes and says, at the heart of what you need from the Father is to say to him, God, don't let me do what I want. Don't let me be who I want to be, God. Your will be done. I want to kind of show you some places where, where we see this. Uh, the first one is, is kind of a philosophical one, and so you can kind of sound smart at the water cooler tomorrow at work. Uh, but Friedrich Nietzsche, it's a fun name to say. He was a philosopher, lived from 1844 to 1900. Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, and, and, and Nietzsche was as, uh, one of these guys who, who, who was a philosopher who had a lot of influence and still does to this day because he said some really radical things. And, and in some ways, he set up a lot of what our culture is like today. Nietzsche, what he did was this. Um, Nietzsche looked at the world around him, okay? He looked at the world around him, and he said, what's wrong? What, what's wrong? Why is there so much pain? Why, is, why are people so messed up? Why is there so much depression? Why is, is there so much anger and frustration? What is wrong with the world? And he said, you know what the problem is? He, he says, the problem is, is that we try to fight against who we are. We find that we've got a nature, he says. We've got a will. We've got a set of desires. And the problem is our whole culture, again, this is the last day of the 1800s, is telling us you can't be that. So what he would say is, I have certain desires. But you know what? From the day I'm born, my parents, and you evil people will probably do this, but my parents, my teachers, pastors, all told me, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. 
I know you want to do this, but you shouldn't do that. Um, you you want to um, take that toy from somebody else, but that's not nice. You want to grab this for yourself, and that's not nice. And Nietzsche said, that's the problem. We're, we're trying to make ourselves into something we're not. We're, we're these Christians, and he really didn't like Christians much, but these Christians are trying to make us into something we're not. They're trying to tell us, oh no, you should deny yourself. And, 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 and for him, the, the, the central human desire or will was what he called the will to power. The will to power. What he says is we all have a desire to have power. And, and, and these crazy pastors, in order to control everybody, and, and, and the masters, and the, you know, I mean, it was just kind of, that was the way to control everybody. So, oh no, that desire isn't good. Just stay in your place. It's nicer to be nice than it is to have power, right? And, and, and so he says, no wonder we're all sick. No wonder we're all depressed. I am trying to deny who I am. And so his solution is that we need to embrace our will to power. Our solution is solution to say, we need to, to just say, God, my will be done. I will not say your will be done. My will be done. And I need to embrace that, and I need to grab onto that, and I need to say, this is me. And, and Nietzsche was really influential. I mean, Hitler was really influenced. That's why, you know, again, this sense that, look, we are the German people and we have a destiny of taking all of this over and we're not going to deny our will to power. And, and, and Nietzsche went on and, and, and there's that sense and I think you can see where that becomes kind of one of the main cultural things in our world today. I want to give you a couple of more popular examples, okay? So that's kind of the philosophical end. But our dear friend Blue Eyes, right? Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra, his song, My Way. 1969 is when that song was written by Paul Anka. And, and, and this is a song that is, uh, is the second most covered song of all time, uh, according to Wikipedia, at least. It's the second most covered song of all time. Are you wondering what's first? Yesterday by the Beatles. So anyway, but this song has been done by more bands. It is used all over again, my way. Look at what, look at what Sinatra says. Look at what he says. For what is a man, what has he got, if not himself then he has nothing, right? He has not. To say the things he truly feels and not the word of one who kneels. I mean, I wonder if Paul Anka was thinking about the Lord's prayer here. But he said, you know, I'm not going to say the words of one who kneels. I'm not going to say your will be done. I, the record shows I took the blows and did it my way, right? I did it my way. And that song, like I said, it's the second most covered song. This song just struck a deep chord with people wanting to say, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm not going to do it anybody else's way. I have to be true to me. If I'm not true to me, what have I got? Nothing. And now I, 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 I don't dislike Frank Sinatra. I happen to, this song's a great song. And when I hear it, I sing along with it, and then I repent. But, you know, I mean, right, it's, it's just, but that's the culture, and then we jump forward to at least a little more recent, and I don't know, I'll be curious to know how many of you, John Bon Jovi, It's My Life, do any of you know this song? Okay, good, some of you have classic rock roots. I mean, it's the year 2000, all right? And, and John Bon Jovi writes a song, It's My Life, and, and, and these are the words, this is what he says. My heart is like an open highway. Like Frankie said, Frank Sinatra they're both from New Jersey, by the way. A little trivia there for you. Like Frankie said, I did it my way. I just want to live while I'm alive. It's my life. This song has been covered a lot, too. It's, it's an anthem of who we are. It's my life. And that's why I say it is unbelievably radical 
It is unbelievably radical if we actually say the words, your will be done. God, your will be done. Because I don't know what I want. I don't know what's best for me. And so, God, your will be done. Do you understand? I mean, this is why I say non-Christians, the ones I've talked to, they don't, they don't say, well, it's the Lord's Prayer that gets me. But what it comes down to, I've had the majority of non-Christians I've spoken with who said, I will not give up control of my life. I will not deny myself. I will not try to become something I am not. I am who I am, and I won't change. And that's why I say this is the line. This is the line that is so central to faith, to say, no, God, I don't know what's best. You see, the view of the Bible is not that we know what's best. The Bible tells us that we're creating God's image. I want to be clear about that. You are of great value. You are of better value than the world tells you are. You are more loved than the world tells you are, but you are also broken. Our nature is messed up. What we say happened with, when, with sin, with Adam and Eve, way back then, and we were all in them, is things got twisted. Things got crooked. Things got mixed up. And what we need to say to God is, God, I don't know what's best for me anymore. And so your will be done. And, and what I see us saying here is not, God, I deny myself, but God, I want to become myself. I want to become, untwist me, God, your will be done. I want to become who you created me to be. The fact is, the Bible makes it clear over and over and over again that our nature is messed up, that our desires are messed up, that we ought not say, I want what I want, and I am who I am, and if I have this desire, I need to feed it, because our desires are just wrong, and they're for the wrong stuff. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. It says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Who, you know, God, I, I just, I don't know what's best for me. I am so able to deceive myself. I am so able to deceive myself. Romans seven eighteen, uh, the Apostle Paul says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. Now, I, I, Paul isn't saying here that that everything we want is horrible and, and we never get it right and we never want anything good or godly or nice or anything like that. <laughs> but the fact is, good doesn't dwell. I am not good on my own. Apart from Jesus Christ, I am not good. I am twisted. I am wrong. Nothing that is good, uh, that good itself does not dwell in me that is in my sinful nature. In Christ, I've been made new. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And, and then the Apostle Paul again, Galatians five seventeen. This is just fascinating to me. For the flesh, and he's not talking about our bodies, but our sinful nature again. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Okay, so there's this, God wants one thing for me, I want something for else. They are in conflict with each other, so that what? You are not to do whatever you want. You are not to do whatever you want. I, I, I mean, when we say your will be done, the first thing we are saying is, God, don't do our will. God, do not do what we want because we mess it up. And what I want is not the best thing. What I want for this church is not what I want for this church. What I want for this church is what God wants for this church. As we do some long-range planning, we've been talking about that some and, 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 and just kind of saying, God, we don't, want, we don't want this church to become what we want it to become because we'll probably get it wrong. God, what we want it to do is we want it to become what you want it to become. Your will be done. 
This is a deeply radical thing to say, all right? So that's kind of the negative side of it. On the positive side of it, what we're saying is, God, teach us, shape us to know, to love, and to do what you want. God, you, you love us and you know us, and so teach us to love what you want. Teach us to do what you want. Teach us to know it and change our hearts. What we're saying when we pray, pray this prayer is, God, God, just change my heart so that I desire what you desire because I know what you desire is best. A couple of weeks ago, we mentioned the Heidelberg Catechism, question 122. Uh, I want to look at question and answer 124, what it says about the third petition. It says this, what does the third petition mean? It says, well, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means help us and all people to reject our own wills and to obey your will without any back talk. (laughs) I I love that. (laughs) Without any back talk, your will alone is good. And so we say, God, your will be done. And, and, and I want us to recognize this and, and to do it positively. As I was thinking about this, you know, I thought back, if you were here the first, when we did our Father in Heaven, I, I made a distinction that Tim Keller had made between treating God like a boss or treating God like a father. And, and, and I think this is one of those places where, you know what, those of you who own businesses know how this works, right? When you own a business, an employee comes up and says, man, you're just brilliant, Wow, you just always make the right move. How do you understand all this? There's a part of you that says, yeah, right. Right, they're just trying to get more money from me. They're just trying to make me feel like I'm brilliant and so on. And, and sometimes I think we kind of feel like, well, that's what we got to do to God. Say, God, okay, you're so smart, your will be done. God, you know better than, no. It's not because God is bigger than us, he's going to squash us if we don't pray this prayer. What we want to do is get to the place where we understand that these words, that God's will for us is absolutely beautiful. Where God's will for us, where we understand that God's will for us is absolutely the best thing ever. And and so it's God, teach me to love what you love. A couple other things real quickly to notice here. This includes all creation. I've been talking about us and so on. but, but, But he doesn't say, Jesus doesn't teach us to say, your will be done in my heart or in my life or in your church. No, your will be done on earth. And so when we pray this prayer, we say, God, may we, us, all of creation. I'm praying this to say, Lord, may the clouds do what you want them to do. May the mountains do what you want them to do. May the, may, may the storms do what you want them to do. God, let everything do what you want to do. It's all on earth, all right? God, your will be done on earth, all over the place, everything. It's all of creation. And we're saying do this perfectly as it is in heaven, as it is in heaven. In heaven, there is obedience. All the angels obey God perfectly. Psalm 103, 20 and 21. Praise the Lord, you as angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. To say we want this to be done as it is in heaven is to say, God, we want to obey you perfectly, quickly, immediately, and joyfully. Who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all you his heavenly, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. And so that's what we're saying. God, let, let me, let us, let all creation do what you want perfectly. Not our will, but your will be done, okay? That's what we're asking for. Let us all do what you want. Why do we need to ask for this? These next two are going to be short. Don't worry, okay? Why do we need to ask for this? Two reasons. The first one I've touched on already. I just want to mention it here. Because we don't know what's best for us. We don't know what's best for us. I mean, the fact is, as parents, Tyler and Cindy, you guys, you know what's better for Harper than she does, and, and, and for her sake, you're not going to give her everything she wants. And, and by God's grace, maybe once or twice in her life, she'll understand that. 
But we don't know what's best. We don't know what we want. There's a second reason um, that, that we should ask this. And, 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 and I, I think this is important for us just to acknowledge. And, and it might sound really simplistic, but it, it's because God's will is not being done. We pray, God, your will be done because God's will is not being done. It's not being done. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. Now, I, we can open up a can of worms here and say, oh, so you're telling me God doesn't want everything to No, God is still in control. God is still in control. But this is not the way it's supposed to be. God's will is not that babies die. God's will is not that there are tornadoes. God's will is not that airliners get shot down. That is not God's perfect will. That is not God's ultimate desire. And, and we as Christians, I think we sound foolish when we say, well, God is in control, so everything must be perfect just the way it is. No. Jesus said, pray your will be done, Father, because it's not being done right now. Things are not going the way they're supposed to. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And, and, and so we need to recognize that there's God's perfect will, ultimate will, but in a broken world, there's God's kind of secondary will, and he's still in charge, and nothing comes to me except through his hands, as the catechism says. Nothing comes to me except through his hands. But that doesn't mean that everything happens exactly the way God wants. Yes, he's in control. Yes, he can change it. But it's not his will for people to get cancer. And someday we will be in a place when his kingdom comes, where God's will be done completely, and there will be no more death and no more cancer and no more breakup of marriages and no more pain and no more suffering. And, and, and so I think, again, it's important for us as Christians to be honest and say to folks, no, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Yes, God is still in control, and there's a mystery there that, that we don't always understand, but this is not the way it's supposed to be. And so we pray this prayer because we don't know what we want and, and because God's will is not being done. So we say, God, your will be done. You know, I think of storms and clouds and what they were supposed to do and what they're doing now. That's not the way they're supposed to be. And we're saying, God, untwist everything. God, untwist everything and help us to become who we were created to become. So that's why we need to ask for this. And then the last question, how can we pray this prayer? As, as I've said, this is, for me, a prayer that for non-Christians, this is the place where they say, that I will not say. Not all of them, but for a number of them. They say, I will not surrender. I will not say, I don't want it my way. I do want it my way. This is my life, and I will not give it to God. So how can we pray this prayer? I, I think there's just one thing we need to understand here. And that is the only way we can pray this prayer is if we know that God is our Father. And that's why Jesus starts where he does, with saying, our Father in heaven. The only way we can dare to say these words is if we understand that God knows us perfectly and that he loves us perfectly. When I understand that, then I can say, okay, God, your will be done. The fact is, I will not give any of you permission to say, you tell me exactly what to do because you're not perfect and you don't know me completely. But if you can understand how much God loves you, if we can understand how well God knows us, God knows us better than all things. Jeremiah 17, 9, right? The heart is deceitful above all things. God knows you better than you know yourself. God wants better for you than what you want for yourself. And so when you understand that, you can genuinely say, oh God, your will be done. And unless he's our father, we don't want to do this. Otherwise, we're going to say it the way we say it to our boss at work. Oh, your will be done, boss. You're so smart. Da, da, da. But inside, we're going, this is stupid. No. When we understand how smart God is and how much God loves us and what God wants for us, Jesus said, I came that you may have life 
Jesus, bring us life. That's what we're saying when we're saying your will be done. These words are central to conversion. Um, and, and they are central to eternity. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Great Divorce. And in here he talks about this petition of the Lord's Prayer. And he says this, and I think this is brilliant. He says, there are only two kinds of people in the end, okay? On the judgment day, there will only be two kinds of people. Those who say to God, your will be done. Those who surrender, those who accept Jesus Christ, those who submit themselves to God, those who say to God, your will be done, and those to whom God says, your will be done. The scariest thing in the world is to have God say to us, have it your way. You see, Lewis is pointing out, and I think there's something right about this, that judgment for God is not saying, well, and I'm going to throw you, and God is going to say, I'll give you what you want. You want life without me? You want life without God? You want life with just, and, 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 and Lewis's view of hell, and it's fascinating, and it's, is, 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 that, is that hell is us getting everything you, we want. Hell is us getting everything that we want in our old nature. And, and hell is then like, like a, 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 a thirsty person drinking salt water because we're just drinking more and more of it and all it does is make it worse. All it does is make us more thirsty. That's what's happening when we do what we want. And Lewis is saying at the end of the day, either you will say to God, your will be done or God will say the scariest thing he could say to you, fine, have it your way. Your will be done. And I don't want that because that is what the Bible calls hell. That is what the Bible calls hell. Us getting everything we want and discovering it destroys us and we can't stop. So the question as we close this morning is simply this. And I ask you to ask it with full sincerity and honesty. Will we say to God, your will be done? Let's pray together. Father, this is not anything that we want to say. This is not anything our culture teaches us to say. We want to do it our way. We want to say it's my life. We want to say we want to grab onto power. Save us from ourselves, Father. Save us from ourselves. Your will be done. Amen. You please stand to receive God's parting word of blessing. So again, following our service, if you want to pray with somebody, there will be somebody in the prayer room there, uh, and you can be happy to pray with them or just talk with them. People of God, as we go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will go with each and every one of us. And may we dare to pray, your will be done. Go in God's grace. Amen.